Well, Bo, we are here yet again. An American was on the podium. So good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we don't care about the rest of the weekend. We saw an American flag on the podium. Bo, am I right? Yeah, man. I think we can wrap it up. We're done. Thanks for tuning Excellent. in, guys. Yeah, we are absolutely. We're out. Yeah, we're not here to waste your time. Barcelona, here. here we come. <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens in Barcelona. I, I was really happy about Joe Roberts getting his second podium of the year. He's got a first place and a second place now. So I'm curious to see if he's figured it out. But it was a good weekend overall. They were at the iconic circuit in Mugello. Every time I see that place on TV, I can't believe that I'm not packing my bags to go on that Monday. Um, it was a great weekend of racing. What were your thoughts overall on the racing? There were some really good ones out there this weekend. Yeah, I mean, this 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 entire weekend, really, from start to finish, uh, had a lot going on. You know, we had rain in qualifying. Um, practice looked great, but then all of a sudden the rain kind of set in in qualifying, and that really threw everyone for a loop. Um, yep. you, you know, we had a rookie on pole in GP, Marco Pizzecchi. Um, just, there was just That's incorrect. Kinds. Fabio D'Ginantonio was on pole. Oh, I'm Okay, I'm sorry. Fabio D'Ginantonio, Bezecchi was I'm sorry. second. That's right, I'm sorry. And Luca Marini was third, but that's okay, that's why I'm here. S still a rookie, though, yeah. Um, you were right about the rookie. Uh, yeah, but we, it was just a really exciting weekend, and obviously really Ducati was. home turf, you know, so uh, yep. they really showed out pretty much all weekend, but um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, just, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into it. I feel like we're kind of all over the place, and uh, there's a lot to talk about, so. Um, well, there is a lot to talk about, I, I think, um, but before we get into the racing, we had uh, Max Biaggi inducted into uh, the MotoGP Hall of Fame as a legend, mm -hmm. which I'm not sure why it took this long. Yeah, I was like, kind of really, yeah, Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, he's the only guy that has ever done what he did in the intermediate class uh, in the modern era. Um and I, I just, I, and you know, he's a world champion, uh, many times over. So I'm, I'm really struggled to understand why it took so long, but it's been rectified. He is a MotoGP legend, well-deserved. Um, he was a great rider in his time. He really was one of Valentino Rossi's great rivals. Um, the other thing that happened was, uh, the aforementioned Valentino Rossi had his number 46 retired to never be used again in MotoGP one year after he retired that's uh that's pretty impressive i mean obviously he meant a lot to the sport but uh i don't think they could have done it in a better location than mugello a place where he won at 1.7 consecutive times uh a special place to him a special place in general uh for a guy that was very meant a lot was very special in the moto gp world for a long time and uh, it was good to see. Uh, it was good to see him, and good to have him back in MotoGP. It's really the first time he's ever really been kind of around and on camera. Now I know he showed up at another race, but he just kind of stayed behind the scenes. But uh, it was nice to see that. Did you watch the ceremony? I did not. Um, I actually oh. read a few articles though about you know kind of mixed feelings around uh, whether or not to retire his number. Uh, read an uh, read a headline that said you know it kind of did a disservice um, to the sport by retiring his number because now people can't use it if they want to come up through the ranks. So obviously, you know we know that that that's that's a sought after number. You know we see it all the time in track days. Yeah. You see it all the time with uh, you know club racers want to want to uh, don it. But I, I do think that 
as someone you want to emulate uh, one of the greats, one of the all-time greats, um, but at the same time, in doing so, if you really pursue that kind of a career, it, it really, it bear, you bear a lot of responsibility in doing that, I think. You know, it kind of has a show of arrogance to some level if you if you reach, a, you know, a certain pinnacle of racing um, that, that you have to uphold that standard, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, I, I, I had no problem with, with retiring the number, um, because of what, the things that we talked about before with Rossi really transcending the sport, um, altogether and, and doing what he has done throughout his career. Uh, um, to me, I don't think there's an issue with retiring the, the number. There will be another Valentino Rossi. There's no other entity in the world that could have done for MotoGP what he has done. Um, you know, even even beyond the modern uh, before the modern GP era, uh, going back in, in the 502 strokes and the the 800 CC four strokes, and you know, ending into the modern technological age. I mean, the man is just—he's an accomplished athlete. Um, so. He's an I think icon. That, yeah, I, I think that I think it was a uh, I think it was a good gesture. You know, a lot of times you see the 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 rider number being retired has been out of tragic incidents. Um, right. you know, Kevin Schwantz being an exception to that, but um, Kevin I, I Schwantz, just, yeah, I, I think true. that to me Rossi really stands out as one that you know I, I think that I don't think that that a a negative feeling about that really was warranted i don't think it's that big of a disservice to be honest with you no i i i would i would be on the other side of that fence as well i don't think it's a disservice so listen to you i think what comes to mind when i hear somebody say that you know if, and i'm and i'm sure a lot of them would point to mark marquez and his success that he's had in his career mm-hmm. and it's obviously been injury riddled the last couple of years but i would say the same thing to mark marquez would be what I heard Jordan tell Kobe in a story they told about Jordan and Kobe when, you know, Kobe's coming up and Jordan's finishing his career with the Wizards or whatever. Kobe was telling Mike what he was going to do. And Mike just looked at Kobe and he said, you might wear the shoes, but you'll never fill them. (laughs) And I think that's the same thing here. I think you could wear the number, but I don't think you could be the number. And that number was synonymous with Valentino Rossi. He never wore the number one. He never put that on his bike. He always kept his number. And so it meant a lot to him. And, and you know, it, it's where it should be, in my opinion. I'm sure other people have their opinion, but um, no one's done more for the sport and no one's more recognizable. Right. So I, I you know, that I, I think it was warranted. And I liked it, the fact that they didn't delay because you can't let somebody else get the number and then do it. You know what I mean? Then they yeah, have to change yeah. numbers. You just got to do it. So they did, and, and I'm I'm happy for that. But on to the racing this weekend. Man, it was good. And the Moto3 race delivered as the Moto3 races almost always do. Um, you had Sergio Garcia winning the race, Izan Guavera finishing second, and Tatsuki Suzuki finishing third, even with a long lap penalty that he incurred during the race. Now, what I will say is that both Sergio and Izan Guevara are just really, the Gas Gas team in general, we've talked about it earlier, they, they have to be considered almost favorites every track. Like It feels like that those two right now are in a great run. Now, I know uh, Garcia... 
he crashed out of Le Mans. Am I am I incorrect? Did I, I remember that correctly? Um, but at the same time, I I just feel like when he's out there riding, it just feels like he's on another level. It just feels like even if he gets shuffled back to fifth, I'm I'm fully expecting him to be close to the front or at the front again on the next lap. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. I just feel like that for Sergio. Izan Guevara is getting there for me. He was great last year, and if not for Pedro Acosta, we probably talk a lot. We've said that before. We talk a lot about him. And right now, he's in a great run of form. That move at Jerez was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, his consistency this year has been really, really good. Um, we did have a DNF, but you know, uh, overall, Izan Guevara has taken a giant leap forward from last year. And uh, and for Tatsuki Suzuki, my thing is, you know, we talk about he's got to finish races. Well, not only did he finish, not only did he have a long lap, but he put it on the podium. So this is just more fuel for the fire. That what are you doing? Go do this every week. Right. Forget about the rest of it. Stop crashing. And so that's the way I felt about it. Uh, I'm waiting for your thoughts. Well, I, I was waiting for an end, man. Um, oh, no, hey, it, wait a minute. You know, let's back. We we do have to back up just the hair, you know, and really kind of look at what happened during this race. You know, Dennis Foggy was out in front and then had the high side uh, coming down into uh, before he'd entered. I think it was. I, I can't remember the the downhill left that he was coming out, but it was just before the right uh, of Arabiata one. It's um, uh, Casanova Simicelli or Casanova Savelli. Sure, sounds right. Yeah, I I whatever turn before every auto one, but it um, you know lost the rear there, um, and then really, really, kind of missed opportunity for Dennis Dennis Foggia to capitalize on this weekend. Um, but then even did you think he that, was going to get away? Did you think he was going to get away? I think he showed a little bit of pace, to be honest with you. Um, okay. I, no, I'm not sure. You know, kind of what it it seemed like. Nobody was quite as strong to draft back past him. You know, the KTMs really didn't have it. Didn't seem like on the straight. Um, but even you know, even Andrea Mino's bike, it, they weren't they weren't really running away from his bike either. Um, so it's really hard to tell. I mean, obviously we know that Leopard brings a strong bike every week, and and they've always really sure. shine, sure. really shown out at Mugello. Um, but uh, missed opportunity for Dennis Foggia, I think, to really at least be high on the points. Um, also missed opportunity for Jam Masia. You know, Jam Masia had some issues as well, and and. I mean, he did very well to save it in the same turn um, that Foggia crashed in. But, um, you know, 17th place, at least he turned around and brought the bike home. Dennis Unchu as well. Dennis Unchu crashed out in turn one and uh, got back up on the bike and then ended up bringing it home, I think, for one championship point. So I think that's still a strong ride, um, you know, in the face of adversity for Dennis. Um, But, you know, talking about the the podium folks – Suzuki, I was I was impressed with, and this is what should have happened with Suzuki. This is what should be happening with Suzuki year uh, week in and week out. Um, we've talked about it before. You'd mentioned it already. You know, do this every weekend. You're on a strong team. You're on a championship winning team. Um, so this is this is what is expected when you come to work each weekend. And I well, think it's Suzuki mental knew that. now, right? Like, yeah, it has it's, to. Be. It's, it's, it has to be. I mean, we've we've seen the physical talent. He's and, on a great team. You know, and, all that said, it sounds like a backhanded compliment. You know, to get it to say congratulations with him because it comes with a lot of you know. Well, you need to be doing this each week, but it's the truth. You know, and Suzuki really did show a phenomenal uh, race. I think I don't agree with the penalty that was assessed to him. And it seems to me that the logic behind the, these penalties are, in this particular situation, you have a rider in front that goes wide, you hit the gap, you take the you, you take the gap and you make the move. 
rider comes back in and they and there's contact when you're leaned over and you can't see that rider falls down and you get a penalty if you don't fall down. Um, and the reason I say that is, you know, I don't think Jake Dixon was penalized when he made the move on um, on uh, uh, Aldegar in Jerez in Lorenzo corner. Right. And I right. don't think that Albert Arenas uh, was penalized when he took out, um, I think it was Alonzo Lopez actually, at uh, the museum corner in uh, at Le Mans. Mm-hmm. Uh, really similar situations. The difference was that the overtaking rider, um, crashed as well. And to me, that logic is kind of flawed because you don't penalize that rider who made the aggressive move, who essentially could not control his bike. You know, they made that move. He could not control the bike. He, he made, tried to make that pass, lost the bike and crashed both people out and ruined two people's races. Um, and to me to, to think that the that the rider has learned from that by not assessing a penalty in the next race, um, it's a little bit um, there needs to be another I think there needs to be there's still you know a grid penalty or a long lap needs so, to be assessed in that next race personally. So I'm gonna make sure I'm understanding what you're saying here. So you're saying that if you do try to make a pass and you end up crashing and taking a bike out mm-hmm. that you feel like even though you crashed, lost a race, because you ruined someone else's race, you should get a penalty. Yes. Irresponsible um, riding is irresponsible right, right. riding, regardless and of so, the, you know. Right, 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 right. So I I agree with you. Like, I, I don't understand why we are, why irresponsible riding is for the person that is not the one that went wide. You know what I mean? Like, right. I feel like, I feel like you're right. Like, this is racing. You go wide, you need to, you got to take your medicine and slot back in line. That's how this yeah. goes. And, and, and so I feel like you're right. I think there's a good point there that if you're, if you're, if you're the rider in front and you don't go wide and somebody runs into the back of you, well, of course that's their fault. If you're the rider in front and you go out to the edge of the track on a turn, like you blow it, it's too, you can't hold it. You, you don't have the right for that piece of asphalt. You do, you've given that right up and you've messed up. Now get back in line. And go do it. And we talked about this before with Toprak, and we talked about it with Johnny Ray, the difference in approach, right? Johnny Ray, he did that in turn one, and he's like, okay, I'm in fifth now, right? Yeah. But that's not what's happening. So I I would, I can see your point there. I There was a part of me watching the race, though, that thought it was a little bit overly aggressive with Suzuki, but I, I do see your point, and I, I think, you know, if I think back to the things that I've said before, Maybe not, because that's racing. If there's a gap, you're supposed to go for it. I mean, the great Ayrton Senna said, as soon as you stop going for the gap you see, you shouldn't be a racer anymore. Right. And and, and I think you're right. I I, I don't know. I, let me let me chew on it a little bit, but I, I think really you, you might have a good point there. Well, and we've seen – so you've seen riders as well. Um, right, we've seen riders that have had that contact that haven't fallen down too, right? So, I mean, there's there's people that have come back – tried to come back in line. They've had contact. They've, they've been shoved wide or, you know, they haven't crashed. Whatever the reason may be, um, they've stayed up on the bike. We, we saw it in two two races even at um, in Argentina, you know, the final corner when Dennis, uh, Dennis Foggia more or less almost got taken out. I believe was it uh, – was it Garcia that uh, whoever – um, was attempting that overtake in the final corner, um, yeah. you know, and just they got together and they both stayed up. And Dennis Foggy wasn't upset about it. He knew that it was hard racing. He knew it was coming. He knew it was going to happen. Knew that, you know, that's what racing is. And and they both stayed up. It didn't ruin either one's race. Um, but yeah. then even in the Moto2 race, you know, we saw a very similar situation where the rider who was going for the gap ended up crashing Fermi Aldegar. 
you know, so then, and then there was still no no penalty called, which I, I can agree with that. That penalty was not called. You know, that that was a racing incident. Um, I, I think this was a racing incident. I, you know, I, I just I don't agree with the penalties that are being that are being that if so. You know, it, it's I know if, what you're saying. Yeah. So my my thing is this though, I, and I think to your point, I, I want to add on to it. If we're telling these guys that mistakes aren't allowed. Meaning, if you go inside and you crash and you take them out, and then you know if if or or if you don't crash but you can't hold it but you end up running them off and they crash and that's irresponsible. Okay, then this just like you said, it's irresponsible to go in there and crash. Period, and take someone else. Even if your race is done, even if you're if you crash and make someone else crash, that's irresponsible riding. So I get your point. So my thing is, what are we doing? Are we turning this into soccer now? Like, it, I mean, like, because it feels like there, we got to have boxing gloves on out there now because yeah. we can't, you know, the, the thing that makes motorcycle racing or any racing so intriguing is the overtake. Which we've seen and, in MotoGP. It's not, it's, it's difficult now. It's not happening more anymore. It's, it's almost well, becoming an F1 race, right? I mean, well, depend, right. The, the rider I, in front has to crash more or less, or there has to be a, a terribly um, overwhelming horsepower advantage in some form. So I, I would agree that to some extent, because I think with the advent of the arrow, the arrow packages on the bike, that has definitely happened, but also it directly coincided with the decline of number 93. Because that guy would overtake anybody, anytime. He didn't care. Right. And so, and he was always the most aggressive. Are we agreed there? He was He was always the most aggressive. And, mm -hmm. and I, that's what I think. Do you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, I, so I, I think the arrow combined with our most aggressive riders not doing it. Um, or, or not being able to do what he used to do because his level isn't the same. And the bike. And it, there's a whole list of things but the right, point is right. is that after 2019 this started to come in right 2020 we heard it we didn't hear it a ton but 21 that big the big aero packages came in and then 22 they're even more now it's like oh we can't overtake because of this 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 and this there's a part of me that says they could still overtake if they weren't afraid of the penalty coming their way if they make a mistake like you does that make sense yeah, and I think so. I, I think it, it bears mentioning too that these guys feel like the these guys are always already riding at the limit though too. So it's you know how much I, more can they really push past the limit? Well, I would the argue breaks, the you know well I would yeah, but I would argue that uh, Brad Bender makes a lot of passes every Sunday, so Brad Bender can do it, and he can do it with one arrow broken off. So I think there is some legitimate reasoning behind that but i also think that fortune should favor the bold but if the bold goes over a line then absolutely there should be punishment but i don't want to see this turned into everybody just be nice and and stay in line so that's what i'm yeah afraid yeah of no i, I agree with, a lot with that of the yeah, no yeah, I, yeah, I agree yeah. wholeheartedly with that with that i just i want to see more consistency out of penalties that and are so handed out you know and, and I think absolutely that, you know because it it bears reasoning that if that guy if 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 rider a is going to go for the gap in in race one and takes rider b out and doesn't get a penalty or you know should get a penalty well rider a may do the exact same thing so i think this is going to naturally level out they're in another, you know, rider A may do that in a, in a later race. So it's going to sure. even out these championship penalties. You know, it's going to even out the field a bit naturally because folks are still going to 
you're still going to make those passes. But I, I agree. I think that it should encourage, um, you know, we want to encourage hard racing and, and clean racing and fair racing. Um, but under the understanding that, that, you know, if it's an irresponsible move, then it will be penalized as re- respectfully. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I feel and very I think that's confident. okay. You know, I think in yeah. Moto2, these teams are getting hit with like, you know, monetary fines, I think with some of the qualifying incidents and there was the threat of that, but then they would just budget in the fine. I don't think that, uh, you know, monetary fines are really the way to go. This is already an overwhelmingly expensive sport. Why make it worse on these teams? Um, you know, I, I think that pe- the position penalties um, and possibly, you know, if it gets to that point, if you have a rider that, that doesn't seem to learn, you know, then and the rehabilitation isn't really working, then when you start looking at race suspensions. Absolutely. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, let's get back to the race in a little bit. But Sorry, I think, yeah, yeah. You know, not to sidebar. But I, I think, you know, in the race, and we had a lot of people in the top 10 that we don't normally see up there. I mean, Ryusei Yamanaka, the street fighter, I named him that, uh, finishes in his best position, fifth. Uh, Ricardo Rossi was in sixth. Uh, Ivan Ortola was seventh. Uh, and Bartolini, eighth. Matteo Bertelli was ninth. And then Adrian Fernandez, who, by the way, I wanted to get to him because I just... I just don't understand this kid and his struggles right now. I thought he would be much faster this year. Um, I'm a little disappointed in his year so far. It's plenty of time to turn it around, but yeah, I I really I had him pegged as a top five finisher every week. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. really did. Like I was like, he's on the Tech Three team with Anchu. Those guys will be flying. It'll be awesome. It just hasn't happened. You got anything else for Moto Three? I don't know. I know we spent some time there, but um, but yeah, we'll uh, get through Moto Two. But yeah. So I so I, I wanted to uh, bring up Moto Two uh, right off the bat. Should we? And I said this to you in a text. Should we start cueing the Jaws music right now? Because it feels like it. <laughs> it feels like it. Um, that number fifty one is uh starting to get real comfortable at the front of those races i mean what do you think so i i think so but you know three three dnfs and a non-score on the season is and being 10th in the championships gonna make it hard um you know pedro costa is 60 63 points back right yeah, now yeah um yeah. so you know it's gonna make it hard but but honestly pedro costa really did look menacing this weekend i mean he looked like he had just figured something out and it was funny because they were talking all weekend about you know they're encouraging pedro costa to not win this this year you know they're (laughs) kind of saying you need to don't worry about that just have fun but now no he looked amazing on the bike this weekend and even joe roberts said he didn't have anything for pedro costa um you know ayagura now is dead even with uh celestino vietti so uh, that's kind of who I'm looking at right now because Iagura really has been a model of consistency this season. He unfortunately has one DNF. If he doesn't have that DNF, then he's leading the championship. 100%. I agree with you. Iagura looks great. I, I, was, I was super excited to see Joe Roberts up there. And, uh, you know, we've given Joe Roberts kind of a hard time. Um, and two out of the last three races – or no, I'm sorry, two, two out of the last four races this year – He's been on the podium. Um, I, I honestly think Joe may be figuring it out with a towel trans finally, 
Um, and he had made a comment earlier this year, like, we don't know why I cannot get this thing to do whatever. He was talking about the bike, and we don't know why I'm having this problem. Like, I'm, I just can't get it where I want it. It seems like maybe they figured that out. And maybe Joe's got some confidence now. That win may have really given him some confidence. Um, but he's been a consistent top 10 finisher this year. Yeah, and, he's not had one and, DNF so far. And uh, Well, and that's that's the name of the game. But for me, the bigger thing is seeing him um, really be, con- you know, be in that top 10 all the time. Like the one race win was kind of, you know, there were some circumstances there. Right. He really right. wasn't figuring. But it's amazing what confidence can do for you. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy to see it. It's great to see the American flag twice on the podium steps, regardless of the step. I don't care. Just like it's there. And last year at this time if you'd have told me at Mugello next year we're going to have two americans in the top 10 i would have jerked your hand off shaking it it's like yeah. done yep and so we did and you know and cam came through from way back on the grid to finish seventh. on so, the grid yeah yeah and 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 did a great job but i want to get to pedro a little bit yeah so he was leading the race in lamar and he crashed but it, it sure did look then. I was like, you know, let me see what he does in Mugello because if he does that again, I don't think he'll crash. Um, and he didn't. But what I was really impressed with was his post-race interview. Like, he was happy to be there, but he's like, it's just been so long since I've been up here. And and I was like, you mean seven races? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, he is so serious and so singularly focused to me on being the best in the class and being the best motorcycle rider he can be that his post-race interview was not all he was happy but it wasn't all smiles i can't believe it i did it i'm so excited everybody yeah it was it, it was, was almost it like was a, business-like it was, it was almost like a verification you know okay okay i'm yeah. here now it's time to go to work you know he knows yeah. he knows what's what uh, the ability is now or he knows what's what the real standard that he the measuring stick you know he has something yep. to, to live up to now where he wants to be and, and because what he did in moto three was just unprecedented um yeah and now once again you know he's broken a record that was held by mark marquez yep. so yeah you if you well, are keeping that company and you are in those same conversations then you're something special a hundred percent if you're mentioned in the same sentence in terms of talent with a guy like Mark Marquez. Uh, okay. That's yeah. pretty special. Absolutely. And you're right. What he did last year was unprecedented and we thought he would do the same in moto two. And we were wondering what was wrong with him. Well, it took him eight races to, to win a race, which isn't so bad. And like I said, it feels like it's not just the one off. Now it's been two weeks in a row where he's been super fast he understands the bike, and he's going to be a contender, in my opinion, every single place he goes. So maybe those first seven races where he did not do very well and for his to his standard may be great for him in terms of motivation, but not great for the rest of the field because he's. we saw him last year get kind of complacent midway, three-quarters through the season, right? Mm-hmm. He's finishing eighth and ninth. Right. I don't know if... I'm curious to see if we see that this year with him because right now, while I was watching that race, in my mind, I was like, ooh, I would not want to be racing this guy for the rest of the year if I'm trying to win races. And if I'm Celestino Vietti, I don't want to race 
and I don't know what's going on with Celestino. He had started to pick up the pace and looked really good there for a few laps. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, he's going to be okay. But then he crashed, so that was unfortunate. Yeah, but, he had uh, a mechanical. He had a mechanical. Oh, I'm crashed. sorry, yeah, he had mechanical. I don't, yeah. Did they ever say what it was? Was It a, It didn't look like a chain. It. it looked like transmission. But I didn't see a chain fly off, and he was just sitting there. But, you know, he had the mechanical. Um, I, I, can't, I don't know why I thought he crashed. I was thinking about Fagia. But I, I think... That's just so unlucky for him. It's got to be frustrating, home GP, all that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Iager is a real contender, to your point. And, uh, you know, Aaron Listen, Kinnett we got another too. race this way. Aaron, Aaron Kinnett. Kinnett. Oh, so unfortunate. It really was. And I think that, you know, it, it's it. Aaron Kinnett is one of those riders that the more that you watch, the more that you want to see him succeed, and the more that you want to see him on the top step of the podium, personally at least. You know, you and I texted back and forth about uh, a little bit about the, the the issues that Kanet's facing. You know, he's a clear talent in Moto2. He's he's really headstrong on the bike, He's and he's got so much just heart and determination on the bike we've seen through riding through some of these injuries. Um, but nobody in GP wants him and nobody in GP is really interested in him because of all the tattoos, because of the appearance, you know, and, and that was mentioned a little bit, uh, by announcement announcers and commentators, but, and I think that's so unfortunate, um, because of the, the talent that Aaron Kinnett pay, pay, um, possesses, but then also not only his talent, but his, his, that head strength, that charisma that he has, you know, he, he really carries himself throughout a weekend and in the, and in this pit box fairly well considering some of these other riders in my opinion um and, and it's it, he's a he is a rider that i would love to see in gp in the next few years yeah it's unfortunate if that keeps him out i, I honestly i would have a big problem with that now there's no guarantee that aaron Kinnett would be a a big time and successful right, right. gp rider but we'll give him the chance you know if that let's, if but that's let's your judge him only, on his merit not yeah. his appearance and besides you can't tell what he looks like until you do photo shoots. All right. So do photo shoots with his leathers and helmet on. Big deal. You know, I, I look, I I I think it's time has passed for the the stigma, the tattoo problem right, to be right. a thing. And uh people like tattoos and let them do that. That doesn't now if he has something terrible written on his skin, okay. I see that, but we cover that up. But he doesn't. He's just a guy that likes body art. Leave him alone. And if he's strong if he's good enough to help your team be successful, then you want to hire that guy. I don't understand that, but it's unfortunate, but hopefully we'll get past all of that. Um, in fourth place, you know, we had Tony Arbolino, who looked really good at points during the race, had a good battle there with Agura. Um, and Augusto Fernandez came yeah. from way back. Now, he, he salvaged a pretty good race, but, man, he's got to get that qualifying figured out. He really does. And, uh, and then, of course, we had Jake Dixon finishing a race, so I wanted to get your thoughts. Cameron Bobier finished in seventh place, so that was really good coming back through the field um, from Cameron. Um, you know, I, I saw Jake Dixon. I think Jake Dixon did make a couple errors in the race. It looked like he fell back even behind um, Alonzo Lopez and Cameron Bobier a couple times and then worked his way back up through. Um, I mean, so good on Jake Dixon. He's got three DNFs this year. Cameron Bobier's also got three DNFs. Jake Dixon has speed. You know, you can't you cannot deny that Jake Dixon is fast. It's just Jake Dixon has to find consistency to really live up to the hype that that gets lauded upon him each weekend, in my opinion. 
Um, you know, backing up a little bit to uh, Tony Arbolino, the battle that he had with Sam Lowe's was a really intense battle. And unfortunately, Tony Arbolino got out of shape in a turn two and you can't take out your teammate. And that's probably the hottest I've ever seen Sam Lowe's come off of a now, bike. There was um, no penalty levied against Arbolino. There was. There was. Oh, he, was there? Okay. Yeah, there was. Okay. He took a long lap. I'm pretty sure. Oh, did he take a long I, lap? I'm pretty sure he took a long – it was a long lap penalty, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. He did. I I, I don't know why I didn't remember that, but I would, it just occurred to me. I was like, wait a minute. Did he do a long lap? And I had to go look, but I, you're right. He did. Um, But in, in all honesty, you know, I don't know how many times that you said Jake Dixon there, but it was a lot. But I think you're right about the praise lauded upon him. I, 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 I'm curious to see if he can live up to that. Cameron Bobier is doing what Cameron Bobier does. I, Cameron's year this year is a giant leap forward from last year. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, 100%. And we so, talked about it. You know, just take yeah. the time to learn the tracks. Learn yeah. the European, not just the track, but also how things are handled with these European races, yeah. you know, to, to kind of yeah. learn how the weekend unfolds, learn where you need to be, learn who to follow, learn who to learn off. It, 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 just kind of getting that into that groove. Um, and hopefully okay. Sean Dillon Kelly can do a little bit more of the same, but, um, no, yeah. I, I, yes, but I, I was also, I wanted to give a shout out to Alonzo Lopez, who's doing a phenomenal job filling in after they let, uh, you know, uh, right. Fanati go. Mm -hmm. Um, he's doing a phenomenal job and a shout out to Mattia Pizzini <laughs> who no, came on his own dude. bike and then qualified second row. <laughs> How cool was that, man? The two-year-old bike, that is his bike. And, yeah, it's his and, personal bike. And I didn't realize that he's that he had the issues that he had out of his right hand. Um, you know, he has the he he had a, a really bad motocross accident. He still doesn't have completely use of his right hand, so he can't brake with his light right hand. He actually has his brake set up all over on the brake and clutch on the left uh, bar, and just use the throttle for the right. And then to me, that's really cool. And then to see Picking him up as a successful point at as that he was, level, yeah, to and do getting with a championship that, point amazing. is yeah. awesome. Yeah, it really was. Well. I brought up Cameron's Bobier, Cameron's Bobier. I brought Cameron Bobier's <laughs> season up this year because it's a market, a marked step better. Like he's just so much better. But I, I wanted to do that because I want to get your thoughts on the other American, Sean Dillon Kelly. Um, I, I, I don't want to bash Sean Dillon Kelly. It's his first year. Lots of tracks he doesn't know. He's, but he's way off the pace. Do you think it's possible for him to? make a giant leap forward as Cameron did. Uh, do you think this is possible? I mean, because right now Cameron never was this far back last year. So you and I talked about, um, and, and, and so Cameron also had a season on, um, also had a season or well, many seasons in, on Superbike. Um, you know, so Cameron was used to the speed differential really wasn't uh, a big concern. Right. I don't think for Cameron Bobier coming in, um, uh, and I don't think that, you know, obviously the chassis is not going to be quite as stiff as the uh, Calyx was, um, uh, you know, and, and Sean Dillon Kelly coming off a Suzuki 600, really hard fought rate or hard fought season with, uh, with Richie Escalante, you know, last year in Moto America. But I, I, I don't know how much of this is a talent gap with Sean Dillon Kelly and how much of it is also a detriment, a, a team that might not be operating at, a level that is comparative to some of the other more successful teams in Moto2. 
So I think it's a combination of two things that are that are kind of going on within that garage because we do see that Cameron Bobier, whether or not he gets a good bike for a weekend, almost seems like it's kind of luck of the draw um, in some instances. You know, had a lot of gearbox and shifter issues towards the beginning of the season. He had three no scores. Uh, Shondell and Kelly, it's hard to kind of put your finger on what's going on with Shondell and Kelly. I don't follow Shondell and Kelly on social media. I'm really not on social media anymore. Um, I don't hear much. Um, from my wife, you know, she follows a few writers and she'll tell me about some, some articles. I don't see a lot of what's really coming out of that side of the garage. So it's hard to really pinpoint it because John Dylan Kelly really is a big personality. Uh, we saw that he was a really big personality in Moto America, saw that, you know, he, he's, he had that charisma. He loves playing to the camera. Uh, we saw it and I can't remember what race it was, but you know, Sean Dylan Kelly riding around. Uh, waving at everyone like he had just won a you know won the race at, at after a practice session that he was top ten in, um, so there there are there, those instances I think that that show me that Sean Dillon Kelly wants to be in this this paddock and wants to be successful. I'm not sure where the disconnect is right now with Sean Dillon Kelly though, um, but I also don't see him and Cameron Bobier working together a lot during practices, and that's well, something I don't that, think, that I don't yeah I don't know that Cam does it that way. Um, so obviously Cam being the senior member of that team, mm -hmm. he's going to do what he's got to do. Like he's right. I understand that. But as I feel as a Sean Dillon Kelly, you're going to at least try to get behind your teammate for a little bit, you know, uh, it, well, to me, if I don't I'm know trying can to keep up with him. Well, yeah, but that's, so that's the issue though, is, you know, you're, you should see them at least a couple, couple laps, corners, you know, right? together. Yeah. Before you. <laughs> Well, first of all, I'd like to again point out that you said Sean Dillon Kelly like 15 times. Apologies. I, no, I, I like that you did that because we just want to make sure it's clear who we're talking about. But I, I do hope, I do have hope that what we will see from him, Sean Dillon Kelly, going into the end of the season is getting comfortable on the bike because we are consistently seeing him at the back and not and just not close to many people at all. I mean, yeah. he was he was 31 seconds behind the the last paying point. So um, a, another that's a lot. Another point that bears mentioning, I think, is when Sean Dillon Kelly made his debut in Moto Two. Uh, what was it? 2019. I think it was in 2019 at the Valencia race. Yeah. Um, it was not this bad. He was actually running, I wanted to say, uh, not 20th. It was probably 15th to 17th, somewhere around there, when he had his crash. I don't right. I don't believe it was quite this bad. So the the difference that what that has happened between, you know, 2019 to 2022 would be really interesting to understand. It, did, the, did the sport get elevated just that much? And Moto America wasn't a platform that really prepared him for the European circuit as well. And at least yeah, in the know. super sport class, or, you know, was it a backstep from Sean Dillon Kelly, which it's hard to it's believe that because it's a great question to see the he, 2020, uh, excuse me, 2020 championship that was fought between Richie Escalante and Sean Dillon Kelly, in which I believe if I'm remembering like a rich, Richie Escalante actually won the championship that year in he super did. sport. He did. And he then did. to see Sean Dillon Kelly really come back the year later and, and come back with an aggression and an event. So much stronger. Uh, yeah, and, and such a hunger to really win and to, to take that fight directly to Richie Escalante and not even be willing to follow for, you know, a few laps. 
Um, right. I, I don't, I, I wonder if that hunger is still in there is kind of what I'm saying. And, and right now he's just trying to, to learn as much as he can before he really starts I, to let that out. I, I think there has to be some of that. I, I do. I, I think for him, of course he wants to be at the front. He's a racer. They all want to be at the front. But I think my hope is that what we're doing here is doing what we're very comfortable, staying at a very comfortable pace. Don't make ourselves uncomfortable. Learn the tracks. No drama. We did have a crash in Friday at Mugello, but try to stay up and stay healthy so that when we go into the off season, it won't be new to you. And then we can jump right back. We can hit the ground running and we can really try and, and you have reference points that you have references exactly. for the bike setups. You have we, references we have for data. We have, you have a place everything. to start. Right. So that's what I'm hopeful for in this class. I, because I, I really, I'd be really surprised if Cameron Bobier is on the American racing team next year. At this point, I think another team will snap him up. I hope another team will snap him up. I think there's plenty of riders on good teams that have done nothing to warrant that job over Cameron Bobier. So my hope is that we get another American in there and then we see the same progression or at least a lot of progression from SDK. That's my hope. And I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful for that. But I'm always looking at his times and it's, I mean, it is, this 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 race was how many laps? Um, 21. 21 laps. That's more than two seconds a lap slower than the leaders. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot. And so hopefully this is all just part of the plan. Um, but we want to see him do better. So good luck to you, SDK. Um, what else you got from Moto2, Bo? Not too much. You know, you did mention Cameron Bobier possibly going to another team, and I think that Cameron Bobier might be, could be a successful rider in that uh, Flexbox HB40, HB40 team. I agree. I, I, I think, think that yep. is, could be a good fit for him. Um, that It's a strong team. It's always been a strong team. Jorge Navarro does look good this year, I think. Uh, he it looks, looks better, better than past yep. years. Yep. Uh, but Eric Kinnett is also someone that I think would help to elevate Cameron Bobier's sure. level, sure. You, you know, he's having that give level of rider on the other chase, side of the box, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. So I think that could be a good fit for him. And I, I don't know. Obviously, we're in silly season. We're definitely getting ready to go into silly season um, quite soon. But we'll see I, how all this shakes out. I wouldn't be mad if he went to the Gas Gas team because Albert Arenas. I don't think he's done anything to warrant keeping that job over Bobier. Um, with all the the talent lauding on Jake Dixon. I don't think he'll leave unless somebody gives him more money. But I'm curious about Sam Lowe's. Is Sam Lowe's on contract after this year? I don't think so. I think Elfmark VDS might be looking for somebody. So those are all good teams. Right. Uh, Taltrans has a has a spot next year they haven't signed. So these are all good teams, but maybe Cam just says, I've stayed with American Racing. You know, that's what I want to do. And that's okay too. But I, I think there's going to be some opportunity and maybe some money thrown at him. And I don't mean millions of dollars, but I mean a little more money than he makes for American racing because they don't have the budget. Right. I think, it, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing him on an established team like a Taltrans or, or Flexbox or even the Elfmark VDS or Gascast. Those teams know what they're doing. And I, I would love to see him do that. I, that would just make it so that we could have four Americans. Right. Yeah, that two. could open the door for someone else to come over. That's right. And, and I and you know who I, I already have that name in, but I don't know how old you have to be to come into Moto Two. 
I don't know if you have to be 18, but that my my pick would be Tyler Scott. But well, know, holds we'll Pedro see. Acosta. He just turned 18 last week. Oh yeah, so then Tyler Scott might yeah. be able to come in. Yeah. So uh, listen, Bo, we have this figured out. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. I mean, I don't know why everybody's trying not to do what we say. We have the best ideas. Um, but but really, this this Moto Two class is is uh, is strong. There's a deep talent pool in that class. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, I think it's going to stay that way for the most part because of uh, there's no spots in GP really. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's... There's really no spots, so we're going to see if someone comes to replace Suzuki, who that will be. We know that Apriya now will be running with RNF, so we'll see who they sign. It, I can guarantee you, it won't be Dovey. Um, I, I hope that it's someone besides Bender, but we'll see. Um, but there's really no spots, so we'll see. This this is going to be a talent stacked grid for this year. It already is, and for next yeah. year, is my opinion. Yeah, so absolutely. it'll be great racing. I'm in, I'm excited to see what happens. But uh, you have anything else? No, I think that was a good segue. So uh, we can wrap here, and then we can jump straight over and do uh, GP. Great, let's do it. 